1: I'm Brian Lehrer. This is my daily politics podcast. It's Thursday, December 8th. Brittany Griner is free. We'll talk about it in just a minute. And the prisoner swap with Russia that got it done. And we'll talk about these things too. We learned in the last day that the January 6th committee will issue its final report on December 21st. Now, it probably won't come before 10 o'clock that morning, so mark your calendars for what we'll be talking about on this show on December 22nd. Chairman Benny Thompson announced the release date yesterday. And I wonder if yesterday will be remembered as kind of a January 6th prevention day in Europe. You've probably heard at least a headline about 25 arrests in Germany in a plot to overthrow the government there by storming the German parliament. Sound familiar? Prosecutors in Germany say the group included QAnon followers. Sound familiar? Anti-Semites. What? In Germany? And generally people who believe Germany is run by a deep state. Sound familiar? The Washington Post reports those arrested included a current judge in the Berlin Regional Court. Yesterday was also... Democrats celebrate the re-election of Raphael Warnock Day. I think today is day two of that, actually. But what if Georgia's Republican state legislature was so partisan it wanted to cancel that election and declare Herschel Walker the winner? Well, the Supreme Court heard arguments in a North Carolina case yesterday that might let them do just that kind of thing with no review possible by state or federal courts. In fact, Lawyer David Thompson argued that the state constitution in North Carolina should not apply to state elections. What? Justice Ketanji Brown-Jackson could hardly believe her ears.
0: Is it your argument that the state constitution has no role to play? Period. That is our position.
1: So imagine a January 6th or a German coup happening with no violence necessary, just a partisan vote in a legislature at the state level with no checks and balances. Let's talk about where these stories all come together, plus the breaking news that WNBA star Brittany Greiner has been freed by Russia in a prisoner swap. With us now, Politico's White House bureau chief, Jonathan Lemire, who also had one of the best-selling political books of this year called The Big Lie, Election Chaos, Political Opportunism, and the State of American Politics After 2020. Jonathan is also host of the accurately titled MSNBC show Way Too Early. When does it air? Weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern, and he's a regular presence on Morning Joe on MSNBC after that. So, Jonathan, thanks for staying up way too late to join us once again. Welcome back to WNYC.
0: My pleasure. Glad to be here, particularly on such a busy news day.
1: Indeed. Brittany Greiner, perhaps the greatest women's basketball player of this generation, maybe ever. A member of the Phoenix team, the Mercury, detained in Russia for having a cannabis vape pen and sentenced to years in a labor camp. The world generally saw her as a political prisoner of of Vladimir Putin. How did the Biden administration get her out?
0: This negotiations for her release have been ongoing for months, quietly and behind the scenes. It's sort of a, it must be stated here, a remarkable moment of diplomacy, that these talks could happen while Russia is has this ongoing invasion of Ukraine, of course, the United States and the West have rallied to support Kyiv throughout this process. There have not been much in the way of communications between the U.S. Uh, and Moscow on other subjects, but there had always been a back channel about Greiner, about other Americans held in custody. It's been, there have been stops and starts in the process. There had been some hope among American officials that Putin might be more willing to make a deal after the American midterms. We certainly know the Kremlin always keeps its eye, and sometimes its hands in the middle of American politics. Mm. Uh, and negotiations picked up again in recent weeks, but it was and it was left as a, a one-for-one deal. Victor Boot, this arms dealer once known as the merchant of death, the prisoner the Russians wanted free, the Americans wanted Brittany Griner, as well as Paul Whelan, another American citizen in custody, But the Russians said, no, this would be a one-for-one or there would be no deal at all. The final arrangements made just in the last few hours. The prisoner swap occurred at the airport in Abu Dhabi in the UAE. The two prisoners, were told, walked past each other on the tarmac as they traded planes. Uh, And Brittany Griner is now wheels up and heading back to the United States to San Antonio to a military medical facility where she'll be evaluated and receive care after she spent uh, nearly 10 months in a Russian prison.
1: Any word on what kind of shape she's in?
0: The early sense is that she's doing well. We heard from the president of the United States just about an hour ago from the Oval Office standing with Greiner's wife, Sherelle. Uh, American officials have said that they think that understandably, uh, you know, being in a prison like that has taken a toll on Greiner. But largely, she appears to be in good health. And certainly uh, her, her wife said that she was in good spirits. Uh, Now that she knew she was going to be on her way home, Griner was able to speak on the phone uh, to the president. The vice president and Secretary of State were there as well, uh, and uh, her wife uh, in the Oval Office. They were able to have that conversation uh, a short time ago, just before we saw the president in the Roosevelt Room telling the nation uh, that Griner's release uh, had been
1: secured. And I'm going to play a clip of Biden in just a minute from that appearance a short time ago. But tell us a little bit more about Victor Boot, who Greiner was exchanged for. I'm seeing him described with phrases like notorious Russian arms dealer and an international arms smuggler. So who is Victor Boot? And why was he in prison in the United States?
0: Victor Pruitt was a bad man, uh, he is a bad man, and done a lot of things uh, for which he has been charged with serious crimes. He is, yes, indeed, an international arms dealer. He, he was uh, supplying renegade forces throughout the world. He was a notorious criminal for a long time. He was ensnared and finally arrested uh, as part of a sting operation that the U.S. helped conduct where there was a front that he was going to uh, send arms to the group of rebels in the nation of Colombia. Um, and that is when he was finally uh, jailed. Now, at that moment, uh, Victor Boat had largely retired from the business, if you will, that he, uh, he was less active in his chosen professions, being selling arms. Um, so there, but his re- despite that, his resume was long uh, and lethal. And, and I will say, there has been already in the last hour or so, some questions in, you tell, in, in the intelligence community here in the United States, though so obviously we're so relieved that Brittany Griner, uh, has found her freedom, but worried about a precedent it sets that someone like Victor Gould could be set free. Frankly, worried about whether this was a fair deal that Griner, who was arrested for such a minor infraction, uh, having these vape pens in her bag when she landed at the airport outside Moscow, ver- versus someone like Victor Boot, who may have who has a lot of blood on his hands, that that was a one-for-one deal. They fear that is an unfair deal, and one that could set a bad uh, template going forward. But the Biden administration has simply said this was the only deal on the table. They It was a painful decision, but one they needed to make in order to bring
1: Reiner home. Yeah, we already have a tweet from a listener who writes, sorry, merchant of death traded for basketball player is not a good trade. Uh, Is anyone questioning not just the equivalency of their crimes and the potential danger of boot going forward, but whether hostage, you know, sometimes hostage negotiations, if we consider Brittany Griner hostage, are derided as giving the bad guys more incentive to take more hostages?
0: Yes. And in fact, we heard a warning from the president today saying that Americans should be careful if traveling overseas in nations run uh, by dictators, run run in these authoritarian nations, that they, that they could be, in fact, snatched uh, for, you know, for profit or for a deal like this. We obviously had a wave of Americans in the – after September 11th, there was Americans captured by terror groups. Uh, that still does happen from time to time, though we're also seeing – nation states do so unless they wouldn't be called hostages rather perhaps prisoners but we have seen whether it be turkey or iran or syria or uh here in this case russia rogue states um who capture americans and then try to broker some sort of deal uh for their freedom so that is a concern uh that is a concern what is a good day clearly that is a concern going forward as is the fate we should note here Paul Whelan, who's the other American whose case has been so championed uh, in recent months. He is also held in Russia, and the Biden administration attempted to secure his release as well. But the Russians valued him differently, in the words of administration officials. They have ac- accused him of, of being a spy. of, of on, They've arrested him on espionage charges, um, and they therefore valued him more highly, and they wanted a lot more in return. Not just a. they were not going to do a two for one. Uh, they weren't going to do a two for two. They wanted several people back for him, administration officials say, including they asked for some spy uh, in U.S. custody. That the Americans claim they don't have. Um, hmm. They also asked for someone else who is currently incarcerated in Germany, not in the United States at all. So that deal wasn't on the table. We heard from President Biden today. Administration officials have echoed this uh, all morning, that they're going to keep working for Paul Whelan's release. They have not forgotten about him, but there's no deal imminent there.
1: Let's go a little west from Russia that we were just talking about to Germany. Twenty-five people who sound like January 6th-style conspiracy theorists arrested for planning to overthrow the government, including by the very January 6th method of storming the parliament, Plot foiled in advance, apparently, but is there a kind of international movement now of right-wingers and white supremacists and QAnon believers who may actually have been inspired by January 6th or be part of an international whole of some kind?
0: Well, you just hit upon a few important connections there, and let's take a few of them here. One is the fact that this is extreme right-wing. Uh, groups uh, that they have seen at the moment. There's one in Germany, obviously what we saw here uh, in Washington. I'm looking out the window here at the U.S. Capitol as we speak. Also, uh, the fact that so much of it is fueled by disinformation and misinformation that is spread online. Fake news, actual fake news, things that are told to them by leaders of their groups uh, that convinces them that, that the government is out to get them or that their chosen candidate was unfairly uh, excluded from power, and then there's the conspiracy theory part of this too. A number of these, um, those arrested in in, in Germany, uh, were followers of a QAnon-like group where they have these these wild, elaborate conspiracy theories that couldn't be further from the truth, but do bring people together and they prey on the on the vulnerable, and fuel violence or at least the threats thereof. And that's what we saw here. Uh, it, it, it's, this plot was, of course thankfully, uh, stopped before they could carry out their plan. But it was dangerous, and governments across the world here, at least in certain democracies, are, are, are worried about copycats.
1: Was there any explicit Trump connection, not that he was involved in trying to overthrow the government of Germany, but that any of the people involved believed in Donald Trump as some kind of savior? Because that's part of the actual QAnon theory, right?
0: Uh, Donald Trump has had a bad legal month to be sure, but at least at this point no one has accused him of being involved in this plot to storm the German parliament. Um but but yes, you are right that he is <clears throat> the QAnon theory is that he is almost a savior like character, um, uh, and that he is coming back to <clears throat> sorry, restore the United States to its proper greatness. Uh I have not seen reports that he was cited uh in the the, the German uh, Version of this, mm-hmm. um, b- but certainly that it's connected in terms of believing that there's this deep state, and that's the that's the parallel here is that that yes. Trump and his followers in the United States accuse the deep state of keeping them out of power and holding their supporters down, and those in the German plot believe the same thing was happening there.
1: And the sort of other side of the deep state uh, conspiracy theory, which is kind of scary, the Washington Post says that 3,000, this is not the scary part, the Washington Post says 3,000 police officers, German police officers, were involved in the raids. But reports are also that some members of the military and this judge in Berlin were involved in the plot. That's the scary part. Shades of the Oath Keepers in this country made up largely of former and some present police and military personnel. Does it look like they could possibly have had enough Defections to stage a successful coup because it seemed like they were really planning to try to stage a violent takeover and rule by force
0: yeah it, it did seem how it did seem they had a shot at success here. This was a pretty heavily armed significant force uh, that was going to do this. I mean, you know, look at the American parallel I mean there were thousands of people there on January sixth, the reports of some weapons in the crowd. Uh, as dangerous as that was, though, uh, and people lost their lives because of it, the group of January 6th did not seem quite as well armed uh, in the moment as these folks did. But we do know from trial, and you mentioned it, the oath keepers had a cache of weapons stored at their hotel in Arlington, Virginia, a short time away, hoping a sh- that, that Trump would declare the Insurrection Act and that therefore there would be violence in the streets and they would take up arms in the name of donald trump so that those are scary parallels and to your other point this is something that worries u.s officials greatly is some of the far-right beliefs held within members of this nation's own law enforcement federal law enforcement local police officers state police agencies and the like who have in recent years seemingly drifted to the right some of them anyway There also know the military has had a real issue with white supremacists in the military and again we don't want to paint with a broad brush we're not talking about everyone we're not talking about even a huge portion but we're talking about enough that it's a concern uh, and that we have seen officials here particularly in the wake of january 6th try to drum out those with extremist and potentially dangerous beliefs
1: we went west from russia to germany let's go further west to washington dc where the supreme court heard arguments yesterday in that north carolina case that could allow the legislature to impose new electoral districts. It's a redistricting case officially. And by extension, perhaps election outcomes with no review by the state's courts. They say that would be consistent with history. Justice Sotomayor was like, what? Uh, Yes, if you rewrite history, it's very easy to do. I'm not. Yeah. So that's a very short clip of Justice (laughs) Sotomayor being incredulous with the lawyer arguing this case for the plaintiffs. And I should say, Jonathan, that this case is not explicitly about canceling the 2020 election or any election. It's about redistricting. But what are the implications here?
0: The implications are significant. We talked about this this morning on, on my show. Uh, way too early, which you noted, 5 a.m. on MSNBC. Uh, the, it's about a North Carolina case and about redistricting and therefore gerrymandering and about who should be able to set the rules and whether the local court should have a say. And basically, those this has set off real alarm bells throughout legal groups, throughout uh, good government groups, throughout many Democrats. Attorney General, former Attorney General, Eric Holder in particular, has become a leading voice crusading against this. Uh, suggested that it would be deeply dangerous to throw out uh, a, a portion of the United States electoral tradition uh, and eliminate this oversight uh, by the local courts, and the fear would be um, that that the Republican, in this case, Republican legislatures could uh, not just redistrict as they want, but declare winners as they want, and suggest that if you know that, that they would certify the victory of their chosen candidate, perhaps not the candidate who got the most wins. Now, the early reading of the tea leaves after yesterday's hearing, and the, the oral arguments in the Supreme Court um, were that the most muscular version, uh, as the legal expert put to me this morning, uh, of, of what North Carolina wanted probably would not occur. There was skepticism from the sort of those moderate conservatives, of which John Roberts is one uh, on this, that, they, that there was a sense that it wouldn't um, you know, be fully implemented, it would not be allowed to be fully implemented, but we'll have to see. There are months ahead um, before we get the decision to come uh, released, but it, it's one that it, it's a, for a case that was sort of under the radar until very recently. Uh, it's one that has uh, significant uh, electoral implications.
1: Under the radar previously, but NPR and its reporting is calling this the Supreme Court's marquee case of the year, and with all those implications, uh, the suspension, the end, the termination of checks and balances in election law at the state level. No wonder it's being called the marquee case. And and, and I wonder, you know, if they're going to cancel democracy or try to, to that degree, cutting out a whole, one of the three branches of government, right, the legislatures, the executive branches, and the courts. I wonder if this is somehow consistent or just another coincidence with Donald Trump posting the other day that because of what he claims without evidence was decisive fraud in the 2020 election, that the Constitution should be terminated. He actually said Constitution should be terminated. And we played this clip yesterday, but I'm going to play it again. Since presidents swear to uphold the Constitution when they are sworn in, Mitch McConnell said this. Anyone seeking the presidency who thinks that the Constitution... (laughs) could somehow be suspended or not followed. It seems to me would have a very hard time being sworn in uh, as president of the United States. So, Jonathan, as a sports fan, give me a scorecard here. Who's winning among Washington Republicans around this, Donald Trump or the Constitution?
0: Right now, the Constitution still has the lead on Donald Trump and his temper tantrum, which uh, he posted on Truth Social, calling for the Constitution to be terminated, uh, was fueled by his anger at this Twitter Files, the Elon Musk uh, group. Uh, his, uh, res- you know, the unearthed the records from Twitter. He says, with the help of a journalist uh, to suggest that Twitter had unfairly suppressed. Uh, coverage that would be unflattering to Democrats, in particular over Hunter Biden's laptop uh, in the run up to the 2020 election. Uh, the problem, of course, with this theory is that the federal government at the time was controlled by Republicans. Donald Trump was president. Um, there, there's no there there in terms of the theory, it would, uh, it would seem, but it was enough to fuel, set Trump off. And more importantly than his rantings and ravings on election that was two years ago is what it means going forward. And you did hear from McConnell say, uh, though he didn't use Trump's name, and we should always note this, McConnell has not ruled out voting for Trump were Trump to be the 2024 Republican nominee. But McConnell certainly has been far more quick to criticize Trump, even if he doesn't name him. Uh, in since January 6th. A number of other Republicans, including those who are pretty staunch Trump allies, also spoke out about this in the Senate, uh, saying that this is, of course, there's no place for this. This is not appropriate. We, would, we are the party of the Constitution. Uh, so Trump has not received much in the way of support for this one, uh, and he has attempted to walk it back in a, in a future social media post. Um, but it is interesting to see uh how he still is the loudest voice in the party. And certainly we're seeing more Republicans willing to t- suggest they're gonna challenge him, lawmakers speaking out against him or those consider considering their own own twenty twenty four bid. Trump certainly had a pretty rough campaign kickoff, uh, including a dinner with a white supremacist. Um, but he the rank poll suggests that he is still the choice of the rank and file voters. So things like this Uh, And the fears about the 2024 election um, and the integrity of the election, he's going to keep fueling that uh, and it's going to continue to challenge the American democracy.
1: All right. It's time to let Jonathan go and have his third breakfast or whatever meal you eat (laughs) on your schedule at 1038 in the morning. Politico's White House Bureau Chief Jonathan Lemire, who was also host of the MSNBC show Way Too Early, which airs at 5 a.m., and author of one of the best-selling political books of this year called The Big Lie, Election Chaos, Political Opportunism, and the State of American Politics After 2020. If you're interested, folks, in hearing more about that because of this conversation, we did a book interview with Jonathan in the summer. You can go back into our files and listen to our conversation about his book, uh, The Big Lie. And Jonathan, again, seriously, thanks for extending your day even more and staying up with us on the breaking news on Brittany Griner and all the other things we discussed.
0: Brian, you were always so generous, and it's a pleasure to be here. Happy to come back at any time.